Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? Oh, enjoying another beautiful day in the Catskills. We finally had just the rain that we needed, and it seems like every hour it's greener. 
Oh, how marvelous. It really is. I transplanted all the tomatoes out today. And um, the squash seedlings and the morning glory seedlings. Some of those morning glory seedlings got a little uh, frosty when it went down to 36 last week. <clears throat> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they were the wow. only thing. I, I, you know, I covered everything. But the cover must have, like, touched them. And they were just, you know, in cotyledons. They didn't have any true leaves yet. And they were they were like, oh, and the cotyledons turned brown. And mm. it's like, whoa. And some of them, I think that's it. But others of them, the first true leaf is pushing up. Oh, wow, interesting. Such a, yeah. oh, so delicate. And, yeah, <sighs> I'm glad we're going to make it. <laughs> Yeah, that last little nip there, mid-May, which the cats are so fond of. I've actually seen it snow on Mother's Day. I was just thinking here, it's like you can almost count on Mother's Day getting some flurries at least. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so don't push it, even though all that early May weather seems so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting ready to go off to the Midwest Women's Herbal Symposium, mm-hmm. where, I, where I will be joined with a host of others. I was talking about this last year, when it was really coming back from the COVID years. And being back in community. And I love to be at the herbal conferences. I love to teach at the herbal conferences. I love that there are herbal conferences. Yes. Yes. So much fun. And so so many people. Yeah. Just such connections and interactions and, uh, you know, just the, the, the agora, the marketplace, the, the place where, where the people come out of their houses and are together. Mm. As we were asked to seclude and seclude and seclude yet again during the COVID years, they said, oh, agoraphobia, which always lurks, right, the fear of being in the public. Right. Right? I said, oh, dear, you know, here it's being very fed by this. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Especially when you think, you know, that human civilization uh, used to require that almost everyone go to the marketplace, go to the Agora on a daily basis. Mm. Which is one of the reasons why the witch, the wise woman, was suspect because she could live from what the earth gave her. Mm. Interesting. Right? Makes sense. Well, you, you think about it, you know, I'm eating cooked greens, garlic mustard, 
and very various greens in my salad a full month before anybody's getting that out of their garden. Mm-hmm. So true. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> and let's see, after the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, I'll be teaching here at the Wise Women's Center. And then I will be off to the International Herb Symposium. Wow, you're busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Astrid Grove, who presented both at the Comfrey Conference and at the Hypericum Conference, and who also apprenticed with me um, and was an intern here for a year. And we've been in touch for the 25, 26 years since she was an apprentice, is coming in, and we're going to go together to the International Herb Symposium. That's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, wow. She's going to go to your place from Colorado, and then you'll head from up From Colorado, and then in September, I'm going to go out to Colorado and teach at her Red Earth Gathering. Aw. Wow. Yeah. What? So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Ta-da. Ah, all the gatherings, and especially the beautiful gatherings of the green hearts. Mm. Mm. So happy there. Yeah. I always really appreciated Pam Montgomery's Green Nations gatherings. Mm. I never got to go to one of those. When did she have those? Actually, it's interesting. I got somehow a flyer in the mail that said there was an herbalist gathering at Brighton Bush Hot Springs. And I thought, oh, isn't that lovely, but I'm not an herbalist. I can't go, and I threw it away. Not Not just I'm not an herbalist, but also... Just think how much money that would be, Susan, to get a plane ticket to the West Coast and to pay for this and all of that. You, you'll never have the money. At that time, this was obviously quite a long time ago, it was around $500 to pay for the event, pay for my transportation, all of that. And I said, you, you don't have $500. You don't have $500 extra. So I threw it away. And within the week, a local restaurant called me and asked if I would provide them with wild food for their wild food menu for 10 weeks for $50 a week. I think you were supposed to be in Brighton Bush. Hey, I dug it out of the trash. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I got it. So um, I came home from there. Um, really just totally thrilled to have spent time with so many herbalists and totally upset, as I said to Pam Montgomery, who was apprenticing with me at the time. They think there aren't any herbalists on the East Coast. Oh. And Pam, wonderful Pam, took that, you know, as a impetus 
start having East Coast herb gatherings, which she called Green Nations. Mm. And they got bigger and bigger. Oh, really extraordinary gatherings. Mm. She has has written a couple of wonderful books and is spending a lot of time talking with plants. She's gone to, oh, the name is slipping my mind right now, but I'll probably think of it later. A place in Italy where they have like an electronic device to help you hear what plants are saying. Yes, it's I've a, been with Right? Been it's not words. That. It's like, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so amazing. What? It is. It's one of the last Green Nations gatherings that she had. She had this device, and she had it on a Tulsi plant, a holy basil plant, and she let people from the audience come up to the plant, and the plant totally changed its tune. Wow, depending on who was up with it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> How fun. Wow. Mm. Yeah. And what about you? What's happening at your place? Oh, well, we are busy in the garden. I've been spending a lot of time out there and um, just tending to the things that we planted and finding still, like, new patches of things that are growing wild um, and encouraging those along. But really, you've been pretty active in the garden, planting, and then moving mulch around from trees that had fallen last year and were turned into mulch. And so, a lot of time outside, um, for sure. And it's been hot lately. Today, it, like, spiked up to the mid-80s. And now, tomorrow, we're going all the way down to the 50s, and the high is only 70. So, still wow. interesting weather. Yeah. 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 Tomorrow will be a good day to be outside for longer um, than today because I was outside a lot today, but it was definitely, it was really, it was pretty roasting out there. Yeah. We had a great, we had a really great work exchange weekend and we brought all the plants outside. Mm. And I repotted those that needed to be repotted, or at least the ones that most desperately needed to be repotted. And um, it was really something, you know, really, you know, like lifting all those pretty heavy pots. There's some big plants Mm. out there. And wrote a little thing for the easy and I said as I near 80 I appreciate more and more those who come to help me do this heavy work so yes my thanks to all of those extra hands so that I am uh, spared every single pound of it a lot of pounds of the stuff what was not heavy at all was wrapping up the Hypericum conference Justine videoed me today 
in my Hypericum t-shirt. I know you haven't gotten yours. I just went and, and nudged Mick about getting me the things so that I can address them before I go away. So, <laughs> that you get to see it at least on the video, which I ramp up the Hypericum conference and say that um, I found it harder to end the nonsense than I did to end the fear. And that so far as I could add, it was about 800 years of clinical experience, not just personal experience, but clinical experience with other people. Um, represented at the conference, or about 50 hours of actual instruction time over the course of mm. the 10 day, um, 10 days of the Hypericum conference. And I said, wow, you know, this is probably the richest, densest, uh, most amazing course that I had put out for the money, $100 for 50 hours. Wow. Um, right? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. There's so and much in there, so much. There's yeah. just so much, even watching it day by day, um, which was a commitment. Um, and I didn't have to watch it all because I read. So, you know, there was a certain amount every day that I said, okay, I don't, ha I don't have to watch that. I did it. <laughs> but the readings are, are quite... Um, Quite to the point, I had a really, really huge field to choose from in choosing what readings to mm. do. And I said that uh, one of the biggest nonsenses around Hypericum is that it causes photosensitivity and so it can't be used. And that today I was actually putting hyaluronic acid cream on my face. And there's a warning right there on the jar that says, warning, this could cause you to be sun sensitive. Mm. And so I went to my computer and I asked, are there any drugs that make me sun sensitive? And I got a whole list of them. Right. So even if it did make you sun sensitive, so what? It's not like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And over the 800 years of experience, there were four possible incidences of sun sensitivity. Right. All of all of which, as I recall, were completely remedied by withdrawal or reduction of the hypericum. Mm -hmm. That's your recollection? It is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and yet, um, you know, those who experienced those possible sun sensitivities, even if it wasn't them, but it was a patient of theirs, <clears throat> seemed to be the ones who were really clinging to um, the fact that it that it was dangerous to use in that way. Right. Whereas <clears throat> certainly most of the presenters were um, feeling very much at ease with it. And I also mentioned, of course, that I had not um, had anybody to see a drug interaction and that that even extended to, and I didn't know how many people caught what Dr. Dillard was saying. Did we talk about this yet? Dr. Dillard's short? Mm, no. What? No. I Dr. Dillard's short. He's throwing a pot. He's at his pottery wheel. And he's an osteopath. 
and he talks about how his daughter, Astrid, turned him on to Hypericum as an antiviral, especially against herpes, and how very effective he found it for his patients. And then he then started trying it for other kinds of viral infections, and then Astrid taught him about elderberry. And he combined the Hypericum with the elderberry and thought, now I have two good antivirals. And then he said it struck him that when you make a combination, it's supposed to be three. And so he added a cyclovir. He added what? A cyclovir. Okay. Is that a drug? What is that? That is a drug. It's an antiviral drug. Ah, it's a frequently prescribed antiviral drug, mm. ah. and he says, mm, right? He says, and he just you know, he just says this like da 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 da. Not, and I thought, I wonder if it would be okay if I combined. He just said, hmm, and I thought a third thing. Oh, a cyclovir, and I've been using the combination of these three things with great success for quite a while. How fascinating. So obviously he's not worried about a drug interaction. He thinks that it works well in combination with the drug. Yes. That's awesome. Wow. So we have 800 years, 22 presenters, and no drug interactions, plus an osteopath who purposely uses it with an antiviral drug and gets good results. (laughs) as well as tons and tons and tons of anecdotal <clears throat> evidence of it being safe to use. I said in the wrap-up, I said, you know, if you're taking a drug, like an anti-rejection drug, that your life actually depends on getting the right amount of that drug at the right time, then I'd probably be excessively careful. Other than that, I wouldn't worry. Yeah. And excessively careful doesn't even mean not to take it. Mm-hmm. Because one of the books that I read talks about the half-life, the half-life of the different constituents of Hyperica. And so knowing that and knowing the half-life of the drugs that you're taking, it should be possible to take them concurrently, although maybe not at exactly the same time. Someone who knows about half-lives and interactions would be able to figure it out. That's not me, but somebody else could do it. Right, right. I would think there'd be ways if you wanted to incorporate hypericum, but then they could probably measure Especially if you were feeling horribly depressed. If you'd had like an organ transplant and you were feeling depressed, hmm, that would be like a possibility. Right. The story I used, mm-hmm. the story I used to tell was that a MD, who was a heart surgeon, decided that since depression often followed um, heart surgery, that he would give his patients hypericum, and that it made their drugs not work and they died. Now, I'm not sure where I heard that story. And I, at this point, certainly don't think that this story is true. But it's Mm -hmm. interesting. What a well of nonsense there is out there. Wow. And how how easy it is for any and all of us to add to it. Mm -hmm. Our guest tonight 
tackles this issue in a really deep way. Her name is Kylia Taylor, and she's a licensed therapist who's been working with Stanislav and Christina Groff since the early 1980s. And not only works with holotropic breathwork and psychedelic sessions, but her real focus is ethics. She's developed and teaches a self-reflective, self-compassionate approach to relational ethics. Come back at 9 o'clock to hear Kylia. Taylor, or stick with us until then. Anything else going on that you want to talk about? Oh, no. I think that's it for me. I see lots of, well, three hands have already gone up, so. All right. Let's jump into the questions. All right. I'll remind everyone, if you have a question this evening, please do press 1 so that we can see your hands go up in the queue. Uh, so if you've got a question, press the number one, and that will get your hand raised in the queue. We have three callers that have raised their hands already. The first is dialed in from the 707 area code. From the 707, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, this is Manzanita. I uh, had a question about red clover. Um, I use infusions, um, drink them regularly, and I was wondering about the time in my cycle um, that would be the most beneficial to use red clover um, for the estrogen or if you have opinions about that. Um, That's my question. That's a question. That's a question that that doesn't have enough... Information. In other words, you don't know enough about estrogen. Right. So let's That's, talk about estrogen. Yeah. First of all, yeah. human women make 30 different kinds of estrogen. Right. And we start making those estrogens before we're born. Yeah. So what part of your cycle is the best part of your cycle for estrogen? That's where I'm unclear. I was going to do some research. That's, that's an absurd question, isn't it? It's completely absurd. Your body produces varying amounts of at least 29 different estrogens every day of your life from before you're born until the day you die. Right. There's no time in which you are not estrogen rich, in which you do not have plenty of estrogen to do whatever you need. Red clover... Red clover, like all legumes, right, like soybeans or anything in that family, and like all roots and like all seeds, contains phytosterols or phytosterols, plant Mm -hmm. sterols. Sterols sounds like steroids. You're on the right track. They're hormonal precursors. Mm -hmm. There is no estrogen in red clover. Okay, that's where I was Plants Thank don't so make much. human hormones. Why would Thank they? You. Thank no, you. right? <laughs> yes, so there is no 
estrogen in there. You're making plenty of estrogen. What's, what red clover has is potential. Like everything in the bean family, and we know that the healthiest, the longest-lived people eat something from the bean family daily. Mm-hmm. Right? What they have is the possibility of hormones. Right, and it's so plant That possibility uh, depends on your gut flora. Right, but plant estrogens are very different than, yeah. They, they aren't estrogens. That's a right. That's, they're not okay. estrogens. They're phytosterols. There are maybe three plants that actually contain estradiol or, or I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not estradiol, um, estrone or estrace. Aha. Okay. Thank you. I think seeds of pomegranates, um, mm-hmm. orange peel. Yeah. Um, very young green beans. I mean, you can literally count on the fingers of one hand plants that actually contain estrogen. Okay, so that the rest of them contain sterols, and your body has to convert those sterols into hormones, and your body can convert those sterols into any hormones it wants. It can convert them into progesterone, into testosterone. It can convert them into estrogen. It can convert them into any hormone. They're building blocks. They're not in a public building. Yay. Right? Thank you, Susan. So what is the best time to drink red clover? All the time. Anytime at all. Anytime. Anytime at all. (laughs) I wouldn't drink it every day. No, not all the time. I only do it a few times um, rotating and through the month. And it's it's, exactly. if you're, it's not, you know working with your five herbs and yeah. you know you and you're not doing it every single day. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps. I just was like um, in for fertility in particular, wanting to maximize the benefits of having that in rotation, and just thought that I would ask the question just just to kind of so clarify. It's, it's I certainly do find that red clover increases your chances of conception mm-hmm. and maintaining right. that pregnancy but and no, not if you want to do it a little more than once every five days that wouldn't hurt right okay so if you're doing well, it once so every much. five days now and you want to do it once every four days or yeah. you know you know every third day mm-hmm. feel into how that feels for you right i find it really drying so i honestly use it there you more go. So yeah. I just kind of do what feels right for me and just without yeah. a curiosity, yeah, to share but that. The other really good dietary item in terms of fertility is animal fat. Right. I do lots of that. <laughs> right. I'm like, Thank you. Oh, I appreciate yourself. I appreciate everything you do in the world. Thank you so much for, yeah, continuing people's medicine in the way you do. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And there are two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand with a question. The next caller is dialed in from the 908 area code. From the 908, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Carol from New Jersey. Hey, Carol. Hey. How are you? Oh, good. We had a good time on the Hypericum Conference. Thank you so much. It was much. so wonderful to see you there. What were, what were yes. the highlights for you? 
Oh, gee, it's hard to say. Uh, I think I like Zara, and I like um, being with Zara from Detroit, sort of in the middle of the city with her beautiful garden. Is, what, what, am I saying the right person's name? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I liked, I liked her presentation a lot. All of them were excellent. It's, uh, I know you asked that question of Sarah Allen, and it's hard to pick, but. Um, it is, isn't I, it? I, Yes, yes, absolutely. And I enjoyed, um, just enjoyed every minute with you and Sarah Ellen. Um, so I have a couple questions. Um, when I know you're, first of all, uh, blessings on all your travels. I think it's wonderful that you're going to, to, you know, the Midwest and then to the international. It's so healing and wonderful. And, um, uh, the international, you had mentioned a couple months ago of a discount place where you went to to get a discount. I know it's too late, but maybe for the two years from now, what was the name of that? Come on, brain. Mason Hutchins. What is he calling it? Herb Rally. Herb Rally? Herb Rally, R-A-L-L-Y, Herb Rally. Okay. It's like a website you go to? Yeah. Yeah, it has all kinds kinds of stuff. He goes out and he interviews herbalists, and it's there, and you can, you know, subscribe to the channel and just all kinds of fun things. Wow. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. fabulous. Um, okay, I'll definitely look that up. Um, and then um, uh, what what are you planting now? And um, well, I'll, for what I'm uh, addressing, I'm I'm in a condo, and so I, I I'm trying to grow on the deck and um, in containers. Well, I, I was going to say, what well, you have to understand, I that because of the deer, I grow on the deck. So here's what I have seeded. I have California okay. poppy seeded, and it's got its first two leaves, and it really needs to be transplanted, hoping to get to that tomorrow. I okay. have some winter squash seeded, and they're just cotyledons. Their first leaves aren't out, but they get pretty uh-huh. good roots. They'll need to be transplanted soon. There's a few mint starts here. The morning glories, I was talking about calendula, lots and lots of calendula. They were, I planted a, a wildflower mix, and most of what came up looks like calendula from the wildflower mix. And I planted a couple of castor bean seeds, and they came up, and some sunflowers. And oh. what else? I bought some tomato starts, cherry tomatoes do so well on decks. Oh. And um, I've been talking for years about the seeds from my sister's grapefruit tree that I've been growing. And I have uh, one plant that's looking a little yellow. I'm not sure what it's unhappy about, but I'll see when I get home what I can do about it. And then one that's really happy and healthy, and one that also looks a little yellow, a little unhappy. Not sure what it's unhappy about. Uh-huh. And some herbs. I herbs oh, grow really herbs. in containers and do super well 
on decks, rosemary and thyme and parsley and chives all do super well. And when I was adding plants, I just couldn't resist thinking of these miniature lilies. These lilies are, when my fingers in the soil, the lilies do not reach to my elbow. That's how small they are. Lilies, and they're just perfect for containers because they don't get, you know, big and sprawly. And so I got one in red and one in yellow, being how they were only $5 each. And then, and then um, um, the plants that made it through the winter, the geraniums made it through the winter, some of the coleus made it through the winter, the flowering geraniums made it through the winter, the, there's an herb pot that has sweet woodruff and sage and rosemary, and I'm going to plant some oregano, which somebody gave me for my birthday, which is saying, get me out of this pot already, would you? <laughs> So those are the kinds of things that you can easily grow on uh, deck. Yes, a few years, when I was there many years ago, you were growing red shiso leaves. Are you doing that again? Oh, absolutely. I, oh, I don't okay. even grow it. It just grows, you know. Once you get shiso going, oh. it makes sure that it's always around. Yeah, so Johnny seeds maybe for the shiso seeds. I don't have any shiso right now. Well, that would be that's an excellent place to start. But I know they do have them. Yes. Oh. Yes, perfect. and I and I see it, you know, popping up here and here and here and here, in planters and around and about. It's wonderful okay. to have. Yeah. Oh, oh, perfect. So I didn't realize that most everything is on the deck for you. Yes. Oh, perfect. Yes, you know, yes. may have gardens, but gardeners cannot keep goods. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh. Right. So, uh, so I, I need to keep, you know, uh, most of the, my cultivating to uh-huh. a place where, or to plants that neither deer nor goats appreciate. And that's, oh. the, entire, that's the entire mint family. Um Many things in the onion family they will leave alone. Okay. Um, goats, not always. I've seen them munch their way through a lot of wild chives out in the woods. Okay. Um, speaking of that, and, you had uh, just the woodchuck said... also, I find, leaves my onions and chives and uh, mint family plants alone. Good. Um, you had just said something about one month before. Um, other things, you're eating things from outside? I didn't understand what you meant. You said garlic, mustard, and then um, it's yes. one month. So, so it, most people who garden yes. don't have crops from their garden yet. Right. So if they started kale, they're probably mm-hmm. not eating cooked kale yet. No. But I'm eating cooked garlic mustard. Oh, okay. Without Wonderful. having, without having to garden at all. Yeah, just but but that's out on the property. It's not. Yeah, it's growing on the property right. everywhere. 
Yeah, perfect. Well, it actually prefers more cultivated areas. You know, it's going to okay. crowd, crowd up in the gardens. It likes to be there. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. And I'm also able to pick a really nice variety of plants for the, my salads. Yes. Perfect. And, again, many people who garden are just starting to be able to pick, like, little baby lettuce leaves. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. If, you know, if you've cold-framed and if you've, you know, really, like, you know, dealt with the weather, you live a little south of me, you might even be, you know, up more. But our first CSA share is not uh-huh. until the first week of June. Oh, right, at Catskills. Right? Because yeah, the gardeners aren't really getting stuff from their gardens until June. Whereas we've been eating weeds yes. for several months now. Okay. And and did you freeze so the So in metal? a way that makes those who are living off the land different and somewhat suspect. <laughs> because they don't go to the marketplace, to the agora. Exactly. Yeah. Um, did you freeze some nettles? Oh, it's far too early in the year to uh, to freeze it. The nettles. Oh, make, I see. Yeah, just making a nettle soup and eating it. And yeah, okay. Really enjoying the fresh yeah. green nettle. Oh, I was yes, just looking yeah. at my nettle patch and saying, wow, you know, um, for um, next class weekend we might um, harvest nettle to dry as well as nettle for soup. It's really growing right. fast. Super good. Oh, wonderful. All right. Yeah. Blessings, Susan. Thank you for all, all right, your wisdom. Well, thanks for Thank you. I love Bye-bye. you. I love you, Sarah Bye-bye. Allen. Yeah. Thank Mwah. you. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Aw, thank you, Carol. All right. And I'll remind everyone, if you have a question this evening for Susan, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. Our next caller has dialed in from the 973 area code. From the 973, you are live with Susan. Hi, Sarah Ellen, and hi, Susan. Thanks for all the information on your blog talk each week. I'm really grateful that you um, shared your travel schedule. I also know it's on your e-zine about the places that you're doing workshops. And I was very intrigued and wanted to call in about the Red Earth gathering in Colorado. Specifically, you are doing a workshop that I believe is called AFTER. And I was wondering if you are doing that workshop um, on the East Coast or at your um, at at your place that uh, future participants can register for if I'm not able to get to Colorado, but I'm very interested in, in taking that workshop with you. Thank you. Um, Astrid wasn't able to firm up the dates for Red Earth until after my yearly workshop schedule was already set. So I don't have that on this year's workshop schedule, but I will certainly add it to next year's. 
And is that something that I know on your website on occasion if people want to do private consults and make, I believe it's a four-hour appointment in advance for a one-on-one -on -one session with you, is that would you do a, a modification of that workshop for individuals at your, you know, at a set time and fee? Yes. However, um, let me be a little bit clearer. You can go to wisewomanbookshop.com and book a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me for as little as 20 minutes. Thank you. And that's and helpful. the fee, you know, is appropriate to whatever the time span is. You can book your day with Susan, which is five hours for up to five people for $500. And I come to your house, and I'm willing to travel a certain amount for free, and then after that, you need to pay. You can take a correspondence course, and each correspondence course comes with three hours of private time with me. Thank you so much for this clarifying information. It's very helpful. Good. Good. I think correspondence course is really good if there's something ongoing because it allows for us to stay connected and talk to each other without a time limit. That's lovely. I just found a letter someone had written me at the beginning of COVID. And I wrote to her and I said, I hope you're still at this address, but I'm answering you. And um, she wrote back and she said, oh, this is the perfect timing. The whole, you know, the whole COVID thing, this has been happening. That's why I wouldn't have been able to answer you at all. So this is, I'm so glad that you intuitively knew. You know, <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's, it, there's no pressure with the correspondence course. And I, yes, I've had people who get the correspondence course just for the time and don't do any of the projects. That's absolutely fine. You don't have to feel beholden. Thank you so much for your time and all of your wisdom in medicine. I appreciate it. You are welcome. Thanks for your call. Green blessings. Good Green night. blessings. All right, and I'll remind you, if you have a question this evening for Susan, please press 1 so that your hand go up in the queue. Our next caller with the raised hand is dialed in from the 646 area code. From the 646, you are... Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, Steve, um, the guy with the hernia, remember? Yes. How are you? I am so enjoying this lovely weather. How about you? Good. Yeah, very good, actually. Thank you. Down in South Florida. Um, so I wanted to ask, so I've, I've got a, um, a date booked for surgery um, on 8th of June. I, I looked everywhere to find a surgeon that could do the shoulder ice method, but I struggled greatly to find 
that. Um, oh, I'm so with, sorry to hear that. What a disappointment for you. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's my second hernia. Um, uh, I had one on the other side. I don't remember me saying last time. Yeah. And um, I had the, the, the mesh um, last time, and my body's taken to that, you know, uh, successfully. So your body's all right with that? Yeah, so hopefully a uh, second time. Well, hopefully it will be. be with this one, too. It'll just say, oh, another one, a pair. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. So I'm... Um, my call really is just, um, you know, I've been drinking uh, herbal infusions now for maybe for 18 months. Um, I just wanted to know any sort of pre, pre-op pre and post-op um, recommendations on just, just um, I know Comfrey's, you know, uh, one, certainly one of my favorites as well as yours. Um, can you recommend anything, any, anything I can be taking just to help with the repair? One of the things that was brought up over and over again at the Hypericum conference was what a remarkable healer of injuries Hypericum is, and especially surgical injuries. Okay. Um, And that repair takes place in a nerve-rich area, and Hypericum is also ideal for repairing and restoring nerves that have been cut by surgery. It has certainly been a daily companion for me since my surgery. I don't, okay. I'm not completely back to um, full expression of my nerves, especially um, because there was cutting around my, you know, Part of my spine was cut off. Okay. And, right? So Hypericum has just been such a savior to me. I also um, have had musculoskeletal pain because of that and have found kava a very... Oh, yeah. I've heard you talk uh, of kava quite... Yeah. Uh, you know, I put, an, I put an ounce in, you know, four to six cups of water and boil it for a while. I want to have about a quart when I'm done. So it depends um, you know, how much water I put. Is that how long am I going to actually stand there and let it boil before I get distracted? Right. And oh, yeah. uh, it, because it's pretty expensive, um, I usually redo it. I usually do it again the second time. It's a root, so right. it's got a lot to give. Yeah. And then how much is it? Can, it can cost. It can cost a hundred dollars a pound or more. So it's wow. You know, okay. Yeah, it's really expensive. Um, I'm not sure why, uh, but a okay. good quality kava is a is really a, a gift of the gods. Okay. So blessed to Just have that. But but what what I usually find is that um, we are the guardians in a way mm-hmm. of our bodies. You know. Yeah. We are not supposed to tell our bodies to walk into traffic. We are supposed to remind our bodies that eating thirds for dessert will 
probably have us up in the middle of the night groaning. You know, we're supposed to protect and take care of our bodies. And so when we purposely put our body in harm's way, when we purposely let people cut us and needles into us, our body is betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's important part of the healing to apologize in some way. It doesn't have to you don't have to beg forgiveness. But it you know what do we want when we've been betrayed or hurt? We want acknowledgement, right? Yeah, I I think healing meditation for one is uh is definitely a good way to Yeah back to your body maybe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, to okay. say, hey, you know, I really, you know, I really get it that that I let you be cut up, and um, wh- how can I, how can I be kind to you now? Yeah. One of my physical therapists wanted me to uh, stroke my scar. Okay. And you know what? When she asked me to, I didn't want to. Okay. Because, of course, I was upset that that there was this scar. Yeah, it's like a a battle wound, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, so you're very open, and that will stand you in very good stead. You'll, You'll get cues and knowings and leanings and inclinations. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And just listening to that inner voice as well. Okay. Yeah, well, you're doing Carl. you're doing great. You're taking care of yourself now and you'll continue to take care of yourself and since you're listening in you'll know what to do. Yeah, okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um the carver route, what what kind of uh, amounts do you, would you recommend taking if I was to um, like drink it just like a regular infusion, or do you, know, you say it's just so so different for different people? And it's okay. such an interesting plant. Um, I was sharing kava root with someone who has this chronic neck pain, and he went for acupuncture for you know weekly for like nearly a year, and he said it while he was being needled, it completely eliminated the plant pain, and within five minutes of leaving, it was right back. Um, so that really hasn't worked for him at all. And so we're trying out various herbal pain relievers because they're so individual. And I offered him some cover root brew, some infusion, right. actually decoction since it's boiled. Yeah. Um, although it's allowed to steep in the hot water after that, right, for overnight. So it's kind of an infusion yeah. decoction. Um, and then rebrew as well. And um, I said, you know, at the Herbalist Ball at the International Herb Symposium, we usually drink kava and dance all night. I said, but you'll also see it listed as a sedative, that if you drink it, it'll put you to sleep. And he looked, and I said, yeah. Right? When when you're working with it, it can take you whichever side of that you want. You want to stay up and do things, it'll go with you. You want to just, like, go to sleep, it will carry you off to sleep. And over over a period of an hour, he drank in sips, you know, not little baby sips, but, you know, red glug, 
but not like chugging. Uh, maybe okay. a cup of it. Okay. And um, he, he said that he, it did seem to relieve the pain. Yeah, I said, so, so you have to feel into how how much you need. Right with an herb this expensive, you're going to, like me, try to see what's the littlest I can get away with here, <laughs> to, but have it be effective. Yeah. And often, oftentimes at the beginning you'll need more, and then once your body learns how to use it, you can use less. I also told him, I gave him the jar of it that I brought over, and I said, you do keep it refrigerated, but if it ferments, it's okay, because traditionally it was fermented. And I have certainly found that that the fermented brew um, can be quite a bit more effective. Wow, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I had Um, some that that was with me in Costa Rica and it fermented and then it went so far beyond fermented it was like oh get that out of the car bad smell wow so in a really oh, wow. tropical climate the, the ferment the fermented stage does not last long <laughs> wow I, bet. I remember oh, when I was okay. first reading about it was that they went out and dug the carver root uh, in the morning and then chewed it up to mix it with saliva and spit it into a, like a wooden vessel and then mashed it and, and pounded it and added water to it and let it cook and ferment like a sun tea. And oh. then there was a kava ritual each evening. So uh, that's one of the reasons that I tried fermenting it, because I thought, oh, I'm sure it, if they let that sit out, it was bubbly by the time they were drinking it. Yeah, sounds, uh, yeah. sounds exciting. Some, um, yeah, so things to try. I, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give that a try. And you think if I was to make, um, if I was to uh, make some a couple of days before the surgery and then pop it in the fridge, should last yes. for... Yeah, well, yeah, it lasts. Uh, it, it's. I find that it lasts for a week or two. Yeah, and I'll. I'll and then the rebrew lasts for, again. Yeah, yeah, and um, and then put that. That should be great. And um, I'll continue drinking the comfrey uh, infusion. Um, and um, what's the other one we said? Oh, the high paracum. Shall I do that as a tincture? Um, I like I like to use hypericum as a tincture. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a couple of days into the um, the conference. I just um, I pick it up and do an hour, and then I come back to it, and you know. So uh, I love it. Thank you so much for that wonderful gift. Um, you are so welcome. Yeah. What I mean, everyone is so generous. Just the wealth of personal experience and clinical experience and connection and emotion and spirit wow oh fantastic yeah and it's just the the unity of it is just oh i love it so much i'm, I'm very proud of you and sarah ellen and um i just i just love the the, the community as a whole and, and what you what you've achieved is just phenomenal so well done um thank you and um, yeah, so um, I'd love to be a speaker one day on the next one, for sure. Good. Uh, yeah. Good. 
Uh, okay. We always announce it in the e-zine. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah, get the notice easy. about the e-zine, um, then, uh, and just glance through, then you should see that. And you listen to the blog talk, and you know Sarah Ellen and I, of course, talk about it. So you'll know that, too. Yeah, wonderful. Oh, thank yeah. you so much, Susan. Yeah. Green blessings. Thanks for your call. Thank you. See you now. Bye. All right. And looks like at this time I'm not seeing any hands, so I'll remind everyone if you've got a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. And I do see someone has raised their hand from the 541 area code. From the 541, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm calling because uh, listening to you on the last caller piqued um, an issue that I've been dealing with with um, scar tissue. And um, I've got, well, basically after giving birth, um, I had a vaginal tear that needed stitches and um, I had that same aversion uh, when the physical therapist suggested that I, you know, massage the scar tissue. I just, I couldn't do it. So, um, but I feel like now that time has passed, you know, I've, I've, um, I've got less aversion to doing that. Um, but I'm also curious of any other healing techniques. I know I'm kind of interested in vaginal steaming, too. I've uh, read some things that that can help with that as well. And I was thinking maybe doing like a comfrey um, infusion as a steam. Um, And then I've also heard like uh, uh, castor oil, which I've never used. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on um, healing vaginal scar tissue. Steaming appeals to you, that sounds lovely. Okay. It just, it seems so moistening. And if it seems too complicated, a soak does the same thing. That was kind of my question, yeah, because like... Yeah, and you can actually even soak in a bathtub. You don't even have to do a sitz bath. Right. And doing right. that early, and I just, you know, I haven't. Yeah. Really to... So you know, that's you know, that's my primary gripe with any kind of steam is it's just so awkward and inconvenient. Right. <laughs> and I really, I you know, I'm I'm lazy girl. I do not want to go to such a fuss. Yeah. If I could could just run a bath and sit in it, how much easier than maneuvering myself over a steaming pan and being worried about burns and and, 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 because I'm also a klutz. (laughs) Right? If there's a pan of steaming water around, I'm going to step in it. I'm going to spill it. I'm going to make a mess. Whereas in the bathtub, ah, the mess is contained. Thank you. So you have to work who you are. Some people, you know, oh, you know, that stuff just totally works for them, and blessed be. Uh, 
I saw actually saw somebody, you know, decide she was doing a facial steam and had the towel over her head go up in flames because she was doing it over a gas fire. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I said, hey, maybe there's another way to do this besides the steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were able to put the fire out. She was not burned, but it was a scary mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. So, so now whenever anybody's talking about steam, I say, oh, do be sure to take it off the fire before you put your face or any part of your body over it, especially because you usually are draping yourself around the steam, right, with a skirt mm-hmm. or a towel or something to contain the steam, and that's how she got caught on fire. That'd be a little right. hard with the vaginal. <laughs> well, not if you had it on a burner, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah. Hoping, hoping that you wouldn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm remembering, uh, gosh, this uh, funny um, women's gathering where I was cooking for 300, and one of the smaller women jumped up on the stove to mash the potatoes. I think they were in a 20-gallon pan. <laughs> this pan was nearly as big as she was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <hardy> stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a vaginal steam that would be. Yeah. And yeah. of course of course also applying any kind of oil. One of the um it's fun the things in one of the uh where was it? Oh, it was a student Zoom session that I had during the conference, not part of the conference. And uh, one of my distant students uh, said that she found it was a really excellent sexual lubricant and helped to reduce scar tissue at the same time. What was? Hypericum oil. Oh, hypericum oil. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that her husband thought it made him last longer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's another issue is um, painful sex. Yeah. So I think hypericum oil is really poised to be your ally there. Okay. More so than comfrey then. You could use both of them, but remember that hypericum reduces pain, especially mm-hmm. pain from right. something that's pierced. Okay. And if you have a, a surgical scar, you've been pierced, you've been sewn, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Or stapled, which is piercing too. Uh, stitched, yeah. Yes, yeah, stitched, stapled, right? Pierced, and that's a specific for hypericum. Okay, hypericum oil. Yeah, That'll hypericum be... oil. And then maybe the steam or the bath could be comfrey. Right, right. Huh? Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. I'm glad that that we're both in a place where we're willing to touch our scars. Yeah. I'm it's been a slow process. Um, there's, you know, a lot of um emotion in the vaginal opening as well. So I really hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's like relearning yourself. Oh. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It was like reintroducing yourself to your own body. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really hear you. I don't know if you know, but they took a muscle out of my belly and reconstructed my vagina from it. Yes, I know. Yeah. So, so, so it's, uh, it's definitely like relearning, like who is this, you know, new put-together person and to how does she relate to who I was mm-hmm. before, and there's that interesting continuity of self. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, al- yeah. that allows us to know that we are we are the the same being who is now experiencing. Oh, surprise, surprise! Change. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the same but different, I guess. Exactly. We get a, a new choice every time. Yes, we're the the snake or the lizard shedding our our skin. <laughs> oh, what a lovely image! Yeah. All right, all right. Well, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate your perspective on that, and um, yeah, I, I wish you well with your scar tissue journey as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, my third year anniversary of the surgery just passed. Wow. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Hey, all right. Green it's blessing. Good to hear you out, going, getting out there and, and infusing the herbal community with your live and in-person wisdom. That's great. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Take care. Good night. Green blessings. Mm-hmm. And we've got about 20 minutes before our guest is scheduled to join us. And if you have a question for Susan, please press 1 so that we can see your hand in the queue. And at this time, I'm not seeing any raised hands. Um, We do have an email question. Actually, we have a couple email questions. So if you'd like, we can go there. Yes, I would. All right. Oh, well, actually, I also see a hand just went up. Which do you want first? Well, let's deal with the hand and then. All right. Here we go. To the hand that has been raised from the 310 area code. From the 310, you're live with Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, <clears throat> I heard there were no callers, and I actually just called in. I heard the last little bit of the last caller, and I thought I would just um, pop in to share something. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I just heard you mention hypericum oil. Um, with any sort of puncture, Um, and I was just really fascinated when I heard you say that because um, I recently got a tattoo, and coincidentally, I I had just listened to your show. Um, Someone called in a few weeks ago and, and asked about the purpose of tattoos, and do you find them, you know, do you find any uh, meaning in them, or... um, and so you had a conversation about that on the show. And I think I heard that, I think perhaps the day before I was planning to get my tattoos, which were to honor a friend of mine who passed. Mm. Um, and so, and I got two ginkgo leaves uh, overlapping, um, one yellow and one green. And one represented her and one represents me. Um, and after, this is my first tattoo. And... Um, I I just had this sense. I didn't know if it was 
right or not, but I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put some hypericum oil on beforehand. Um, I, I knew that they were going to be putting some sort of alcohol solution to clean the area before, so, I, you know, um, I knew that there would be no oil getting into it. <clears throat> um, and I didn't know if that was okay or not. But, um, I mean, if oil gets in, you know, anyhow. So so I put the, the oil on beforehand. Um, it, it didn't hurt very much, um, a little bit, a lot less than I expected. But then over the next few days afterward, I just was really drawn to just using the hypericum oil. Um, and I didn't know why, but I just, I just, I just did it. And um, I've been in hardly any pain. And um, it's been, you know, uh, two or three weeks now. And, um, and it's, you know, people talk about, oh, the healing, and it hurts, you know, for a few weeks, and this and that, the other thing. And it's like, oh, what healing? <laughs> Um, I mean, it hurt, I think, for the night of. It kind of was burning a bit. And then since then, it's just been, I haven't even noticed. It's a, as, as if it were there, had been there for, for a year is kind of what it feels like. It's, um, and so I just wanted to share that. I just, I, I just heard the last bit of that last call, um, and I thought I would pop in just to share that bit of, bit of information. Wow. I am so happy you shared that with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And... Toward the end of the Hypericum Conference, Sarah Ellen had a brilliant idea. And the Wise Woman Spiral has agreed to go along with Sarah Ellen's brilliant idea, which is that the Hypericum Conference will continue to be open to anyone who wants to send in a short. Oh, wow. So if you want to make a short... And for some reason you haven't signed up for the Hypericum Conference, we will pay you for your short by giving you admission. All right. This is well, exactly the, a, yeah, just the kind of short that we want. This is, you know, absolutely yeah. perfect, a firsthand experience of how you used it and what your results were. So. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so what should she do if she does that, Sarah Ellen? Oh, let's see. The link for the shorts is still the same link, it's my understanding. So um, you can look back at any of the old e-zines um, that have the Hypericum shorts. So you could just, like, search in your inbox or your email box, e-zine Hypericum shorts, and it should come up that way. Um, also, I would check Facebook, and the post for the last two weeks, you should see the shorts. Um, link there as well. Thank okay, you. And that's, to submit, and that's to submit one as well. Yes. Right. Perfect. That's mm-hmm. just okay. it's just a link to submit. Oh, just to submit. Got it. Got it. Oh, I understand. Okay. Right. You okay. Wonderful. Wisewoman um, School dot com, um, where the where you would go to. Um, purchase the conference and then in that there's also probably still the link for the shorts is also still there. Okay. Okay. Great. All right. Well thank you so much. Thank you for your time, Susan. Thank you for your sharing. Green blessings. All right. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And I am not seeing a hand. 
And if you are listening and you would like to ask a question, we still do have about 15 minutes for questions. So please press one to raise your hand and we'll see your hand there in the queue. Um, we can go to that email question if you're ready for that. All right. Susan? Yes, I am. Okay, excellent. Um, all right. Hi, Susan. My question is not about plants, but people, specifically my four-year-old daughter. She experienced an incident last year in which the swim instructor we brought her to for learning to swim lessons suddenly picked up my daughter and jumped into the deep end of the pool with her. Her head went under, and she swallowed water, and she's now terrified of getting in the pool and learning to swim. We live in a neighborhood where many of our friends have pools, and we enjoy beach vacations, and our in-laws have a house where we visit frequently, and there is a pool there. Because of all this, we think it is a good idea that our daughter is capable in the water, even if she does not like swimming. Any suggestions on how we can help our daughter feel comfortable trying to learn to swim again? Many thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, all life can be conditioned. That was Pavlov's experiment, right? Could he condition the dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell? So he would sound a bell, and then he would feed them, and he would sound a bell and feed them. And he lengthened the time between sounding the bell and feed them. And as he lengthened them, they were conditioned to know they were going to be fed at the sound of the bell, and so they would salivate at the sound of the bell. There wasn't food there. So what we're talking about here is adverse conditioning. Your daughter was adversely conditioned to the water because she went into the water in a way that was very frightening to her. You want her to be safe in the water rather than frightened by the water. And I agree with you. I think swimming is a very important skill. So what you're asking is how do I make the water safe for her again? She must take baths or showers. That's where we start. She has experiences with being in the water. My teachers tell me the best way through a trauma, especially where I felt helpless, is to recreate it so that I'm in charge of it. We don't want our children to drown if we're at the beach near a swimming pool, we do not want our child to fall in or run in or somehow jump into the water and not know how to stay afloat. 
So it's not even so much knowing how to swim. And I remember that my first instruction was not in swimming, but in floating. And even in the bathtub, unless she's an enormous four-year-old, she can float. And how do you help her float? You put your hands under her and you hold her. Enough water in the bathtub, enough warm water. When she leans back, you help her float. And bit by bit, as she grows more confident and more secure, there comes it. A little water splashes onto her face, and you're right there with her. Maybe you're even floating together. And we don't try to hide that there was fear there. We know that fear becomes courage. I wish I knew what her name was. I don't say. No. All right. Were you finished with that? Answering that one? I am. I am. Great. Oh, thanks. All right. Excellent. I'll remind everyone we still have about eight minutes. If you have a question and would like to raise your hand, please press one and uh, we'll see your hands go up in the queue. Uh, this time I'm not seeing a hand, but I do have one other email question. Let me hear it, please. All right. Hi, Susan. Thank you with all my heart for all you are and all you share. I have a question about dandelions. Uh, will you please share some other ways that I can play and prepare dandelion remedies or foods? The flowers are everywhere now, and I would love to try some new experiments beyond a typical tincture or oil. Thanks for all your knowledge and inspiration. Hmm. Well, I'm sure the dandelion flowers have all gone out to dandelion clocks now, unless you go up, up, up a mountain or live or very high. But for future reference, there are a lot of dandelion recipes in my green book, Healing Wise, page after page of dandelion recipes. Plus, Peter Gale, who was, um, why he's a professor at some college, and he had his students do some project about wild foods that people ate. And they came back with all this information about dandelion, and he realized that people all over the world eat dandelion. And he started, like, putting out dandelion recipes, and he would even, for several years, he had a dandelion cook-off that he sponsored. Then people from all over came to make dandelion recipes. His name is Peter, P-E-T-E-R, Gale, G-A-L-E. And since we live in a time when one can get anything at all, I, you can find some of the dandelion books that Peter Gale put.
put out his original one with all of those recipes. But then, of course, he also put out um, books from his cook-offs from all of the winning recipes. So one of my favorite uses for the dandelion flowers, of course, is to make dandelion wine. And there is a recipe in the green book um, for that. And I also like to make dandelion fritters. And <laughs> the king of dandelion, dandelion dude, Peter Gale. <laughs> is this the same? Peter Gale, the king of dandelions, talks and courses. Yes, the dandelion celebration. There it is around the world. In 80 plants. Oh, my gosh. Even though I'm saddened to learn that one of America's leading foragers, Peter Gale, has died. He inspired me to buy his book, Dandelion Celebration, in 1994. He was the first person I came across that planted a dandelion bed in his garden. And he organized the National Dandelion Cook-Off in Dover, Ohio, for many, many years. And so this... Um, person, I can't find out what his name is, is uh, giving a little uh, thing about it. But if you look up Peter Gale, G-A-I-L, you will, I'm sure, find some other interesting dandelion recipes, if not from Peter Gale himself, from lovers of dandelions. Thanks for asking, Green Blessings. Wow, that is awesome. I love that. It's dandelion bed. I have never seen dandelion a dandelion dude. <laughs> yeah, dand- I would have planted dandelion bed. Oh, a dandelion bed, right? They planted dandelion yeah. bed. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> I've never seen one planted intentionally. That's so fun. Okay. Uh. Um, <laughs> I, I do see Kylia is here, um, and I so am let's not going to get started. All right. Did you say there's another hand or there isn't? There's not. Okay, good. Kylia Taylor, MS, LMFT, is licensed therapist who has been thinking, writing, and teaching about ethics for almost three decades. She developed and teaches inner ethics, a self-reflective, self-compassionate approach to relational ethics. The model includes a set of awareness tools that are especially useful to those working with psychedelic-assisted therapy. Kylia started studying with Stanislav and Christina Groff in 1984. She's worked as a senior trainer in the Groff Transpersonal Training throughout the 1990s and is the author of The Ethics of Caring, Finding Right Relationship with Clients, published in 2017, plus several books about holotropic breathwork. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Kylie. Hi, Susan. I've been listening. It's very interesting. I'm so glad you were able to be here for the show. You know, ethics, and especially um, 
medical ethics and psychedelic ethics um, is a topic that's extremely close to my heart. I don't know any other teacher of herbal medicine who gives her apprentices a whole talk on ethics before she graduates. Wow, that's great. I think we all need more information about ethics, and I think ethics is really becoming a theme in life and even TV series and all kinds of things right now um, because I think we're, we've been a little bit skewed in not paying attention to uh, the needs of people and our responsibilities when we have them to take care of people. So you, why, don't you, why don't you start out by explaining to listeners what it is we're talking about. What are ethics? Are ethics rules? Are they morals? Are they your conscious? What is ethics anyhow? Well, I think it's... It, ethics has to do with when you're something that I call a responsible party. When you've either been drafted into that role or you volunteered for it or it's your job, you're a professional. Um, and when you're a responsible party, you're probably going to be dealing with people who are vulnerable and who are depending on you to pay attention to their needs instead of your own. And I have a term that I came up with in the early 90s, right relationship. And I, I came to it because I there wasn't a term for what the relationship is when it's really uh, right, when it's, when it's doing what it should do for both parties and their roles. And so I, I looked at what, what is going on when, when there's right relationship and what is going on when there's not right relationship. And how I got interested in ethics was really because I was I was working with Stan Groff, as you said, in the Groff Transpersonal Training, which teaches people how to be holotropic breathwork practitioners. And there were a few people who were licensed therapists. There was not a lot, but there were a few that really puzzled me because they were good people. And they really had their the best interests of their clients at heart. And yet, when they went home to work with uh, extraordinary states of consciousness, is what I call them, with a vulnerable client in their private offices, they got into ethical trouble. They did harm to their clients, and not, not intending to, but they did. And they also um, hurt themselves. And so I really got puzzled about that and wondering, well, what is this? Because these people had had ethics courses because they were licensed. And I realized that the ethics courses really were teaching, the traditional ones were teaching do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Do do this. Uh, This is the law. This is the standards of practice. And they weren't doing anything about talking about what happens before behaviors, before unethical behaviors, like motivations, 
and biases and attitudes. And so there's always something going on that may or may not be conscious in us that could result in ethical misconduct if we don't know ourselves and if we don't kind of look and do self-inquiry when we have that gut feeling. I loved what you said about following your knowings and inclinations, and I think we get hints, you know, that maybe our gut flips or something that we, we know something is not right in the relationship. And that's the time that we need to do self-inquiry, I think, and relational, what I call relational reflection. So that was a lot. That was like kind of how I got started in this. And yeah. Well, since you've been listening, um, let's, let's work with the ethical question that we were just presented with. The woman who took a four-year-old into the deep end with her. That's right. Well, I think everybody would agree that she did something unethical. She was going against um, what you called safety. And she was going against her role as responsible party to provide protection for this child and to introduce this child to swimming in a way that was safe. And I think everybody, when when there's any learning going on, there's always vulnerability. And the responsible party is responsible for protecting that vulnerability. I think you also always have to have a little bit of risk when you're learning. You go out of your safety zone a little bit, but you have to do it in a way that's safe enough to actually do the learning. Otherwise, we protect ourselves, we shut down, we dissociate, we get really fearful, and you know we're not going anywhere that's going to result in new learning if we're that scared. Yes, the learning that we get from fear does not last very long. No. No. <laughs> it definitely can change our behavior, but but it, it's it's not a lasting change. I wouldn't count on it. Well, it might be a lasting change in terms of if you hit the hot oven, you know that you're never going to hit the hot oven again. But it's not going well, to be... Well, unless you're a baker, and then you know you're going to hit it again. <laughs> Right, That's you know. True. That's true. No, you know, you, you know that it comes with doing it. Okay, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be putting bread or cakes or whatever it is in and out of this oven, I am going to get burned now and then, no matter how careful <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's very true. That's very, very true. true. I just, and I, I, I and I'm willing to take that risk. And and I, I think that 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 that's um um. You know, perhaps a, a a place where it gets a little harder to know. You know, are my son-in-law actually taught culinary arts at the Culinary Institute of America? And you know, he certainly didn't 
put anybody into a situation where they would get cut or burned, and nonetheless, some of his students got very grievously cut. Mm-hmm. Because you fire and knives if you're in the kitchen. Yes. Well, I think that's, that's true, and I think those people were probably adults enough to know that they were going to be dealing with ovens and hot ovens and knives, but this child probably didn't know probably didn't, what it right. felt like. To, yeah. Psychedelics, in a way, are like hot ovens and knives. Yeah, they are. They're a tool. They're a tool, and they're a somewhat dangerous tool. And, there are risks. And there, there are going to be risks when we are alive. That's about the size yeah. of it, right? <laughs> life, itself, life itself is a terminal exercise, and living is risky. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I've, I was going to say I, I like what you said about trauma, you know, just a little while ago. Um, the best way through a trauma is to recreate it so you're in charge of it right. and maybe bring awareness into that recreation and so forth. And, and trauma comes up a lot in psychedelic sessions yes. because somehow the inner healer in us, I don't know if you talk about the inner healer at all in your work, but um, the inner healer in us is going to bring up the situation that is ready to be healed. And if we cooperate with it, and if we go into the psychedelic session deciding that we will cooperate with whatever comes up, then we're in a better situation to to get through that process and come out with um, some good results. To come out, I think with what we're talking about is the ability to see ourselves in a different way rather than to run the same routine. Yes, because that's change. That's right. consciousness development. Yeah. And one of my teachers always said when somebody had a break, we'll never get through that place again. You'll break it up now. You'll allow that change, but you won't allow that entrance into your psyche anymore. Interesting. Yes, I thought that was interesting. And I think it's true. I think we do. You know, I had taken and guided over 500 LSD trips. Uh Uh-huh. That's a lot. It's a lot. I've seen a lot of... I bet um, you have trauma come up and how people relate to it, you know, anything from, you know, taking off all your clothes because you don't want to be, you know, um, in this world anymore (laughs) to Mm -hmm. um, really changing the course of of a life. It does. And there isn't a formula. It's not like, oh, if you do X, Y, and Z, everybody will get to the right place because... What's happening is so uniquely individual. Yes, that's why 
what a lot of my teaching is about relational reflection yes. and yeah. the therapeutic therapeutic container in therapy language. Um, the so relationship. you want to you want to tell us more about that? Well, what I figured out was that there were were in psychedelic work, everything gets amplified. That's something that Stan Groff said, and everybody is picking up on that at this point. Um, and so, what? what yes, is it's not. It's, they're not hallucinogen amplifiers. It's different. Well, what I'm meaning about that right now is that. Anything that you say, anything that you do as a responsible party in the psychedelic session uh, can be taken and blown up by the person in, in terms of what that means to them. And, and the other way that works is that here's this responsible party sitting in the session, and they're in the field. They're in the energetic field of this thing happening. Um, and surprising things will happen to the sitter, and I'm sure you can vouch for that too. Material that comes from the unconscious will arise for the sitter too. And what do you do with that? Well, the first thing is that you really need a lot of experience doing the work yourself. But as a responsible party, I realized that there were some areas of ethics that if people had a ethical awareness tool for each one of those areas, then they would have something to retrieve kind of on the spot and use to see, you know, sort out and and make the right choice at that point. Ooh. Rather, yeah. So wow. I, I came up, yeah. That's great. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of them, which is really easy and so many people you know i've i've been kind of the steward for this art expressive arts project for about um, process method for about 20 years and we have taught this tool in the training for soul collage facilitators and they've all used it really well and it's just the question who's this for so it identifies any conflict of interest between the responsible party and the experiencer. So if you're sitting there as a responsible party and you're thinking, well, I really need to touch this person who's in the session. They, they look like they need comforting, for example. You can say, well, who's this for? Is it because I need comforting because they're session is too scary for me Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. or is it because they really do and I can sit with that and I can see if something's coming up for me I can see more clearly if there's a semi-conscious urge to comfort myself by touching this person or if it might be a good idea for them so that's just an example, but it identifies conflicts of interest. That seems like a very important example. And as you say, something that easily comes up. So we can 
perhaps revisit for a moment what is ethics and say that it has to do with self-reflection? I think it does. It, it has to do with knowing yourself and the question, how do I know myself? And self-reflection is one of the answers to that. Self-inquiry, which is taking self-reflection a little little further and deeper, I think, is Ooh, another. I like that. And, yeah. and also, <laughs> good. And also, um, peer support. Because I'm really into this right now because I'm, I'm writing a book on it because I think it's the way that this psychedelic renaissance is going to be served by community taking care of vulnerability in each other. Um, so <clears throat> what it means is that we, you know, there's some, you probably know this, the Joe Hari window. Do you know about the Joe Hari window? No. No? Okay. Well, it, it was big in the 70s, and then it kind of just kind of faded. For a while, it's a, a diagram by two guys named Joe and Harry. Who um, it's a it's a window with four squares. So there's a cross through the middle of it, and there's four sections. And in the first section is all the stuff you know about yourself, and others know about you too. So it's your open and free area. And then another section is your blind area. And that is what you don't know about yourself, but others do. And so this is the area where you really find out um, some things about yourself by being in a peer consultation group, for example, or having supervision by others. And then there's another area where you know about yourself, but you don't want others to know, and they don't. It's all your secrets and and things like that. And then the the fourth section is your unknown area. And <clears throat> you learn about yourself by doing deep work, doing psychedelic work, doing meditation, doing therapy, um, going to workshops and seeing what comes up. So there's many, many ways to go about knowing yourself and participating in your own consciousness development. But I think the peer consultation groups are going to be a really good way. And what I realized was there's a lot of different kinds of peer consultation groups, but I thought what you really need is a structure that really protects vulnerability because if we're, (laughs) there's a taboo about professionals really sharing any mistakes they make because every professional thinks they have to be perfect. And uh, maybe all the culture thinks they have to be too. But I think in a peer consultation group, this is a place where you can just be vulnerable and get protection and compassion from your peers first because I think you need compassion before you're ready to do self-inquiry. And then get help with consultation uh, about any kind of challenging relational problem that is coming up in your practice. 
There was a place called the Rocky Mountain School for Botanical Studies in Boulder, Colorado. Uh-huh. And the school provided a Wednesday evening get-together for graduates who were in clinical practice to come and talk about their problems. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I was able to sit in on a couple of sessions, and I thought it was so incredibly valuable to even just know that there's a place where you can come and say, wow, you know, um, I really can't figure this out, or could somebody knowing that there are others yes make knowing such a difference knowing you're not the only one making mistakes or worrying about this or that and it's really important and in my teaching I try to do you know I think I use a lot of stories and I some of the stories are my own mistakes so I'm trying to kind of give people the idea that it's okay to talk about mistakes. And I think, I don't know if you do that too, but I bet you do. Yes. Yes, I think it's yeah. it's quite important mm-hmm. to, well, you know, of course, I was brought up with the dictum that the difference between success and failure is getting up again. Yeah. Yes. So you have to be able to tolerate your own mistakes. What what is Thomas Edison was famous for saying, you know, after the hundredth light bulb that didn't work, he says, well, now I know a hundred ways it won't work. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> that kind of well, attitude, I, not, not what a miserable failure I am, but wow, now I've learned a hundred ways that it won't work. Let's go keep going. <laughs> that's really good. But I think you have an important point there about tolerating Mistakes, and that's where the self-compassion comes in. Mm. And w- one of the things, and it's so easy to say, oh, I have to be self-compassionate before I do self-inquiry. However, how do you get to self-compassion when you're beating yourself up or in shame? And one of the ways I, I discovered that helps is to have a belief that there is a healing impulse in any behavior in a therapeutic uh, situation that you're either trying to heal somebody else or yourself or both. And you're not always skillful and you don't always have the right time timing and you don't always have the right idea. But if you can give yourself points <laughs> For having the right intention, then you can get to okay. Well, why why was the impact better or worse than what I thought? Why didn't it? Why did the impact cause harm, or why did it not work? Um, <clears throat> so you have self compassion about that inclination or that impulse before you do the self-inquiry. Yes. You don't do self-inquiry as a way to be mean to yourself. That is a really good point. It's not an inquiry into how terrible you are. (laughs) 
I like to follow my students out of the room if I can, if I can be inconspicuous and they don't know that I'm there, so that I can overhear what they haven't understood of what I've said so that I can say it better. Mm-hmm. I think that's always a good idea. Right. Um, you have to be willing to know that you can do better. Yeah, and you have to me that's fascinating. To... I I see that that it's not so for everybody. That, that some people um, yeah. feel threatened, and as you say, it, it does have something to do with their, their sense of um, whether or not they're required to be perfect. Yes, and what they expect that others are going to require them from. Uh, and that may have something to do, as it usually does, with how we're brought up mm. and how much work we've done to to get rid of all the programming <laughs> that we have in our childhood or whatever. <laughs> but I, I think you're right. All, all, of the, self- all of the armor that we have put on. Yes. Uh, in the... In the belief that it will somehow protect us from life. <laughs> really good point. Right. And and the only problem is if we succeed. Because then, under- we're, then we're protected from life. Uh-huh. And then we feel lonely. Yes. Because we're protected from life. Yes. And that isn't really what we meant all along. We really wanted to be protected from harm. Very is, good teachings. <laughs> which is what you are you are talking to us about in terms of ethics. You know, where where is the harm, and where can we honestly say, "I will protect you against this harm," and where can we not? Certainly, you know. It is one of the most wrenching things for any of us to have to go through is to see a beloved um, suffering from something that we can't cure or change. Mm-hmm. And to to know in ourselves that, that sense of uh, mm, what we love we cannot always protect. Yes, and that that gets into trusting, you know, trusting that the universe is friendly, I guess, and that uh, everybody has their own path to learn from. Yes. It requires, I absolutely agree with you, an enormous trust. And... My experience has been that that trust is rewarded. Mine too. That I agree with you that there is a healing energy, a healing force, that there is, um, shall we say, that which, which wishes us well. Yes. Was it Einstein that said the question is, is the universe friendly? And 
we all have to come to our own decision about that. There you go. Yeah. Well, I really like recent research that has found that the first sign of dementia is paranoia. Interesting. So, uh, uh, pronoia is the <laughs> way to go. Believe uh-huh. that versus benevolent, even if you have no reason to believe that. Yes, we have to have a deep trust when some things happen in life, for sure. To continue to believe that. Well, you know, I have had such a good time talking to you that I have totally lost track of time. How can people get in touch with you if they want more? How can they Uh, find your... Yeah, innerethics.com. Easy to find, and that my book easy. is the ethics of the ethics of caring. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank and you for inviting me. You are welcome. I would like you to leave something in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you tonight. How would you like to? Would you like to leave with them? Hmm. I would I would say going into <laughs> worth going into knowing yourself and worth facing whatever is in the way of learning more about who you are and what you're feeling and what you want and being able to do what is yours to do in life. We are Involved, I believe, in the project of reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. <laughs> and that we need a lot of different threads to make this healing cloak work. Thank you so much for inner ethics and for carrying on holotropic breath work. We are blessed, Kylia, to have your threads in this weaving. Thank you so much. Thank you, and yours as well. And Sarah Ellen, thank you for joining me in restoring herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Till next week, everybody. Dream blessings and good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.